You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 84. Hey, my friends, JC here. Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome. This has been a place where we share real conversations about tough topics, and we are in the middle of a testimony series called Testify. If you've been a longtime listener of the podcast and you enjoy it, please can you take a minute to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. This helps more people know about the podcast, and maybe it can be a witness to somebody else. I appreciate all the love that you guys give the podcast. I've seen you share screenshots on Instagram. Please continue to do so because it really has made a difference. I have received a testimony that we have one person baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And we have also had several prodigals come back and rededicate their lives to the Lord. So this is really a ministry and only the Lord could have done this. And I'm just so grateful for you guys showing up with me every week so we can just continue working in the kingdom together and just talking about real things. Now, my guest today is Mandy Rosen, who not only had a struggle with drugs and prostitution, but she was almost murdered while living this dangerous lifestyle. Mandy is so open and vulnerable, sharing her story with us and how the Lord filled her with the Holy Ghost at a prison altar. And eventually she met a Pentecostal nurse who connected her to an apostolic church. Mandy and I also talk about why it's important to share our wild journeys to Jesus and encourage those on the fence about church to stay faithful and stay in the pew. All right, guys, there is some background noise and microphone issues that we both struggled with recording during this, but I love the rawness, so I'm believing that the bigger message won't be hindered. Um, look past it. Thank you for understanding. Let's get into it, my friends. We only have another few weeks of this series left before we take a winter break and come back early next year. Wow, so crazy. I can't believe I'm already planning for this podcast for 2021. What is going on? But I am thankful for this platform and for you. Thankful that God has allowed me the opportunity to be able to do this and continue to be faithful in it. So here we go, guys. This is episode number 84 that I am calling Divine Intervention with Mandy Rosen. Hey, guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome Podcast, where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. Just a quick note about this new series called Testify. It does contain adult content and will not be suitable for young children. So if you have young children around, I suggest that you listen to this on some headphones, on some earbuds, so that their little ears can stay pure and can stay innocent. Thank you for understanding. The seasons might be changing, but our amazing sponsors are sticking around to bring some deals exclusively to Hello Awesome listeners. Nuggles desires every lady to embrace modesty with style and comfort. I love the durable materials they use and all the fun patterns to choose from. Use the 10% off code HelloAwesome10 during checkout at Nuggles.us to snag your new favorite fall outfit right now. 
If you're looking for super cute scrunchies that'll last in your hair all day, and yes, even long hair to your knees like mine, look no further than Sovita. I use them every day. Use coupon code PODCAST for 10% off your order right now at sovita.com. That's S-E-W-V-I-D-A.com. Get that hair off your neck and into a cute top knot with one of their scrunchies right now as you go grab that pumpkin spice latte this fall. Blue Thistle Taylor has timeless dresses, skirts, and handbags. Mandy truly has classic modest pieces that you will love for years to come. Just use our special code HelloAwesome for 20% off your order on BlueThistleTaylor.com. That's B-L-U-E-T-H-I-S-T-L-E-T-A-I-L-L-U-E-R.com. Answer me this. Are you ready to switch out your toxic bath and body products for a better option? Rachel over at Oneness Essentials can hook you up. She makes handmade soap, body butter, and lotion that not only look and smell amazing, but they're great for sensitive skin. Use code HelloAwesome for 15% off your order when you shop at onenesssoapbiz.com. Nestled in a lovely brick and mortar store in Starks, Louisiana, Dress Like an Angel represents the beauty of modesty through their stunning dresses, skirts, extenders, layer tops, and more. They even carry items for young girls, like their best-selling lace tights. Use our exclusive discount code HelloAwesome for 10% off your order at dresslikeanangel.com. A special thank you to all my sponsors who want to bless Hello Awesome listeners. I appreciate you and thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Okay, I forgot one more thing. Have you been blessed by the ministry of Hello Awesome on Instagram and here on the podcast? Consider becoming part of our exclusive membership program on Patreon. When you sign up today, you will unlock access to over 10 posts featuring devotional downloads, ebook, and audiobook files from my new book, Give It to God Girl, printable, modest fashion coloring pages, and the latest episodes of my brand new mini podcast series, The Real 15, which is only available to members. I post a new episode every week and will continue bringing special access to some really awesome content. Think of it like a secret club, and this is your invitation. Tap the link in the description of this episode or go to patreon.com backslash helloawesome. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash helloawesome to become a member and start enjoying your full all-access pass today. Hey everybody, welcome to the Hello Awesome podcast again. I am so very excited that you are back with me. This has been an amazing, amazing series of different testimonies and just talking to real people and what God has done in their life. And I have just an amazing woman of God that I wish I could meet in real life because we definitely would be best friends for sure. Uh, Mandy, thanks for taking the time tonight to share your heart with us and open up about what God did for you. Can you just share with us a little bit about who you are and maybe what you do? JC, I appreciate you having me. Um, To tell you a little bit about myself, um, I am a single mother 
of one son, and I'm a part of the Rock Church in Fort Myers, which is an awesome church, just a revival church. Um, my pastor's name is Randy Williams, who I love and respect so very much. Him and his wife have been like parents to me um, throughout the past six years that I've been attending this church. Um, I was instrumental in starting a ministry in our church called Street Ministry. And actually, um, I'm a part of music ministry and the clean team, actually. (laughs) So praise God for those opportunities to just serve God at any capacity. Um, Also, uh, currently, as far as career and job goes, I'm sort of honestly looking at the moment for just something to do while I'm trying to build my business. Um, The two things that I'm interested in is catering and just as yourself, also blogging. And I am interested in writing a book, which I am currently working on here and there. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, and I know that's so um, that's so cool with with the different ministries that you've been able to kind of work in and got open doors for that because that's something that's obviously personal to you. And we talked, we've been talking for a while now, um, and back and forth on Instagram and all over the phone. And honestly, I. I'm just blown away. When I first saw your name and when I first saw your story, actually, Tanika from Australia had shared it. Um, and she is actually a podcast guest, too, on this series about testimonies. And when Tanika shared, Mandy, when Tanika shared your before and after picture, and when she talked, when she just shared your post, you had, I guess, shared it on Facebook and she reshared it. And when I saw your post and just how God just worked in your life, honestly, it's just amazing to me every time that when you look at who you are now or who the person is now, is a totally different person. And I'm just so blown away. So can you walk us through, I guess, let's go back to like some of your childhood and uh, teenage years when some of some of the really challenging things started for you can you remember what was the first thing that kind of happened to you or uh the first event in your life that kind of led to maybe some of the darker parts wow I love the way you just put that into words because I oftentimes don't even know how to get back to those places in my life but the way when as you were asking me that something popped into my head Mm. um And that's sort of what my book that I'm aspiring to write is going to be about, which you have totally compelled, propelled and compelled me towards that more, just seeing, you know, how God is using you in that way. And I so appreciate that. But um, so the thing that came to my mind, though, is that as a young person, especially with uh, the Internet and the media and just music, 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 music is such a big thing. Um, It's very influential on young people. Um, I remember times when I would sit back listening to rap music and rock music or whatever it was, um, just such demonically influenced music. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember words being said, you know, in a song and about girls, you know, shaking their behinds and, you know, just how rap music is, you know, and it just, it really, um, it influenced me deeply. I was not, I didn't have um, a close relationship with either one of my parents. My mother was never around. Like it was just me and my father. So 
And my father was just very, you know, work, go to work, go home, do what he had to do, provide for us. But we weren't very close. So I would just get lost in this music. And I remember at times um, where I just, I really, because I didn't really have that closeness with him or with my mother, I feel like I sort of got lost in that. And I started like having just visualizations in my mind of living the music that I was listening to literally like that's how much of an influence I think it has on any of us, especially young people. So I would say just times like that alone in my room. Um, I'm trying to be careful how I share this. My father was very, um, you know, he was hard. He was in the military at one time and, and he would say things. And when he said them, they would really, you know, have a deep impact on me. And I believe I quit a job one time and, and I believe he said something to the effect of, you know, you'll never hold a job. And so I started to sort of glamorize this and think like, well, I could do other things for money, you know? And so I started going into this, like in my mind, just sort of visualizing me, you know, selling drugs or, you know, um, and at one point, honestly, sister JC, I picked up a phone book and I, at the age of 18 years old, and I called up an escort service and I said, well, I can do this. And so that started the darker parts of my life. And from there on out, things got just totally out of control. But those are just a couple, you know, things that come to my mind of just being a young person and being, and um, by, you know, music and things that maybe people in the world, they don't realize how much these kids are getting influenced by that. But it yeah. did, I I remember when the seed got planted like I just remember that moment you know those moments in time mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I honestly I'm gonna mirror what you just said about the music because you know growing up in the 90s and stuff we had some music there that was questionable obviously I think every generation yeah. has their music and um, you know a lot of my music choices I liked all kinds but a lot of mine was like pop and what people don't understand is there is a spirit behind these songs because they're attached to people and they're attached to their experiences or what they want. And um, I really appreciate what you said as far as the visualization, because I think that's such a powerful word because you weren't realizing that's what you were doing at the time. Right. And I think, I think kids and teenagers, they don't realize that's what they, that's what's, that's what's going to happen. When you are listening to a song or you're listening to an artist, you're not just listening to their music. You might be actually visualizing yourself with that person doing what they're doing. And I remember being so influential by like boy bands. And honestly, the seed was planted to be boy crazy. And what people don't understand is that's such an emotional, twisted, perverted thing for a teenage girl to, to want is boy yes, attention. Absolutely. And so I, I think that there is definitely something there because I know from my testimony too, there's that lust that comes with that. And um, we can lust after anything. And, and like you were saying, you were lusting after a lifestyle that seemed glamorous to you because of the songs and the music that you were listening to. And that's, that's what they were portraying because that's how they, that's how they got rich, <laughs> you know, as far as like putting out songs to glorify this lifestyle, that's what was making them money. So they're going to keep writing songs about that. And they don't realize that there are actual children listening to these songs being influenced yes. by them thinking that this is the right way to live, you know? 
It's so true. And it's something that I just, I really have a burden for um, when it comes to talking to parents and saying, you know, you know, try not to be in a judgy way towards them, but just sort of letting them, you know, see or pointing out to them rather, because a lot of them don't see that this is literal stuff. They're taking this literally, like they think this is real life. Like we can, you know, sell drugs. And I, I know maybe your music was a little different than mine, but there are like five-year-olds listening to this stuff and they think it's mm -hmm. cool. And this is their, you know, things that they're looking up to. So it is, it's very corrupted and very, we just, we really need to be that light and just, and, you know, make people more aware, especially parents that have their babies, you know, just being pumped full of this music. And mm -hmm. it's something else I should have added in scripture. It actually says in Ezekiel, I believe chapter 28, um, it talks about how Satan, you know, the gift of music was put in him the day he was created. So this is something that God gave me a revelation of when I first came into the church, just that, you know, that the seductiveness of music and, you know, the way that, like we were talking about the visualizations that you get is because there's a spirit behind that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he's basically doing what he did in heaven, but he's corrupted now because mm -hmm. the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Yeah. So he's sort of, you know, trying to destroy, you know, the younger generation with this music. Yeah. And I think that's something that is easy for us to be ignorant by because we have to always remind ourselves that on the outside, it looks one way, but Satan will use every tool that looks good. He'll pervert it for his own, you know, um, devices and, and for his own plan. And so just like we're supposed to use music to worship and glorify God, he's going to use it to do the opposite. Absolutely. It's like a, a counterfeit version of what God has. Mm. That is so very true. Yeah. So walk me through the beginning part of how you actually started living out the lifestyle that you were visualizing. When did you actually start purposefully <clears throat> taking action to live that life? Um, you know, I was already dabbling in drugs. Wasn't an addict yet. It was coming. Um, to be honest, I, I was running around with a certain individual. It's always, there's always somebody, you know, that the devil puts there that can, you know, help. He's watching, you know, he's, he's that lion, you know, seeking whom he may devour. So he is always looking at that opportunity. And there was one individual in my life and he was a drug dealer. Um, this was before I actually got heavily addicted to some very, very dangerous drugs. And, um, I just was, you know, running around with him. I ran away from home. I didn't want to listen to my dad. Uh, like I said, we already had a strained relationship. So it became very easy for me to just take off and, you know, and, and I can only imagine what I put my dad through, you know, during these times. So I was just with this individual and I actually, I had a, a gun and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put this in somebody's face and just take their money, you know, and I was a 20 year old at the time. Mm. Um, and I just, I really wanted to feel, I think like strong or tough in some way. I don't know how to describe it. Cause like I was made to feel by like the verbal abuse and some of the dysfunction, like I was weak and like, I couldn't do anything. Like, I think sometimes with young people, they're just so fragile in that way. Like they have to be made to feel confident and like they have something to offer. So 
Um, I just, I was very filled with anger. I was filled with rage and I actually stuck a gun in a lady's face one time. And at that point in my life, I really thought, you know, I was living out like we were talking about this music, you know, and I was going to, you know, have control and have power that way. I needed to feel like I had power because I felt powerless just over most of, you know, the scenarios in my life made me feel very powerless as a young person. So that was one of the things that, you know, started that downward, downward spiral rather. And um, shortly after that, I started to use heroin and crack cocaine. What I thought, you know, this glamorous life I thought I was going to live, you know, I did not actually live. I then later started to work for an escort service. And when it comes to the human trafficking industry, it is so dark. It is so very dark. Um, you start to just totally shut down emotionally. And, um, you know, with the drug addiction that I had at that time, it was very easy for me to become shut down and just do, you know, do this, so to speak, line of work, you know, just to get the next fix. And by the time I was 23, I believe it was, I had already worked in strip clubs, uh, worked for several escort services. And eventually, by the time I was about 24, I was a full-blown just prostitute. And so I got heavily involved in the human trafficking industry at all levels that you can imagine. Um, I was not doing the trafficking. I was, you know, the person being trafficked. And again, this is actually, I must clarify, I was not doing that against my will. Um, I believe there was a study I was reading about that 70 to 80% of people that do the, you know, that are involved are actually willing, you know, and this is how much in demand that that is in our, you know, in our society today. Actually, to go ahead and add a really beautiful testimony of the church that I'm in now, there's a, a building that we're currently, uh, we're in the process of going to be owning soon. The Rock Church will be owning that building. There was a point in time where this building was owned by a group. It was a, another church. They were not apostolic. They were, I believe, in false doctrine. And um, at this point in my life, I was very addicted to drugs, as I had said before. And I was about maybe 23, 24. And I walked, you know, I walked down a certain area. Um, in the ghetto, you know, where drugs were always found and where this, you know, human trafficking was being done. And so I, at one side of this road is where it was known that girls were doing, you know, this, they were working girls is what, you know, they would call them. And so at the other end, it was more so like just family area. And, and so this particular day I was trying to, you know, get money to get that next fix. And I could not, I was not able to find it. You know, I would do things online, nothing was happening. So I just started to walk and I walked and I walked and I walked and I walked and I ended up all the way on that other side where, you know, as I said, there was not as much criminal activity happening. And I thought, well, I'm just walking now, you know, and little did I know that what I was really hungering and thirsting for was God himself. And, um, at this time when I, you know, I, I ended up way down at the other end, I'm like, wow, you know, what am I doing here? Like, there's nothing happening down on this side. And I actually ended up in the parking lot of the church that I am now a part of. And I stood there, uh, 23 years old, homeless. 
and I cried. <laughs> and I, I just said, you know what? And I looked at the, I, I landed somehow right in the parking lot of the church. And I remember looking at the doors and I thought, if I go in there, I just thought, you know, if I was to walk up to those doors and talk to anybody inside, would they be able to help me, you know? And would they be able to lead me to this God that they speak of so much, you know, that they say is so good. And I'm at that moment, I, I believe a supernatural thing happened. I believe it was like a prophetic moment. I had no idea that at one point I would be worshiping God free and delivered in an apostolic church. Um, not many years later. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so incredible. And, you know, it took a, it took a while to get there. It was a journey, obviously. Right. Right. But, you know, when you look back at those details, it's easy to miss them because they're all kind of jumbled together in your memory. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think that's what people don't understand as um I've actually heard a young lady say how she was jealous of a friend of mine because of her testimony and how she wished that she could be used that way. And I remember my friend being so broken and telling her, you don't know what you're asking for because you do not want my memories. <laughs> that is a good reply. I really like that reply. It's so real and so true. Yeah. And I think I'm so glad that you at least remember that one moment where you had at least a little glimmer of hope that yeah. maybe God is real for you. Maybe he is real. Maybe he is the answer for you. Absolutely. You know, JC, I'm trying to be respectful of your time and like to not overtalk you here because I love to hear everything you say um, and the way you bounce off of everything I'm saying. But that's not what made me um, really see that God was real. I... <laughs> I, you know, as I stated, I got very deep into that human trafficking lifestyle and it's so dark. It's so dark. I would, the men that were married, um, the just, you know, emptiness inside of them. A lot of times the Lord would show me their emptiness and how hungry they were for him too. And there would be moments where I would see, okay, God, you know, I didn't know, as we said before, I didn't know it was God speaking to me at that time, but I know now. Um, the time that really, really opened my eyes though, and this, this is my most, I get sort of emotional when I share this, so please forgive me. No, um, it's okay. I, I understand. <laughs> and this is why we're having these conversations is because we're talking to each other because we understand those moments that just bring us back to where, it literally is the fork in the road or when God really just brings us to a place where we, we can't deny him anymore or we have to deny ourselves, you know? My biggest fear for people is that they would miss that, you know, and that they wouldn't see that this is your opportunity and you need to make a decision now. Because for me, I should definitely be dead <laughs> time and time again. and um, there was a time I was in Flint, Michigan, actually. My, you know, the lifestyle that I live, it, it drove me everywhere. I would burn bridges here and I would go there and I would burn those bridges over there and then I would go over there, you know, and it just was such a very chaotic life to live. Didn't want to be homeless. I didn't want to be, you know, out there like that. 
And so I was trying to be like a high class junkie, you know, and at this point I was a heavy intravenous heroin user. I had been in jail previous to this uh, trip to Michigan. And so I was clean due to just being there, but I was battling with, you know, wanting to pick that needle back up so bad. Cause you know, you get in jail and you get clean, you can't use nothing there, you know, but those demons still try to speak to me and try to, you know, seduce me into back to that needle again. And that, that needle always brought me to where I was homeless and I had nothing and I burned every bridge. So I just, I legit for once was trying so hard to break free. And this was when I saw that I could not because I tried and I tried. And this is when I really saw because I had sincerely tried, you know, um, trying to make the story short. But anyways, I, I ended up in a hotel. Um, and, you know, again, those demons, they just, they don't leave you alone once they get into your mm-hmm. life. And so I, you know, tried as I might, but I, I did, was not able to abstain. And I ended up going out and looking for somebody, whoever would lead me to some crack cocaine, you know, cause that was easier to find. So I went out and there was a guy actually, he was sitting in a car and he was looking at me and he said, Hey, come over here. And again, I was in this, you know, moving on up thing. I didn't want to get into his car and go do anything with him. And I said, no, I'm okay. <laughs> I got a job, you know, I'm good. So he just kept on kind of harassing me. Eventually. He said, there's got to be something I can do for you. And a light bulb clicked in my head. And I said, there is. And so I got into this strange stranger's car. And he drove me to the other side of town and um, where I was trying to score some drugs. Because again, I didn't know anybody in Michigan. So this man, um, he gets them for me. I pay for them. He gets them for me. We go to that side of town. Um, And then foolishly, I bring him back to my hotel room. At this point, I'm using the drugs and he's sort of on the other side of the room and he attacks me. He sexually assaulted me. And at this point, he's done doing that and he's trying to kill me. So I have a probably 200 plus man on top of me choking me. And it was at that moment that I literally thought for sure that my life was over and I, I looked at this man's eyes and I could see it. I could see the devil himself, like in this man. Um, what was very interesting though, to know, and it, scripture backs this up is that the night previous to this happening, I was praying and I was asking God because I saw how hopeless that I was, you know, to put drugs down on my own. And I said, God, you know, if you're real, you can deliver me. You can bring me out of this. And I literally, I prayed that prayer with, you know, a crack pipe in my, like glued to my hand, but I prayed it, you know, I prayed it very sincerely. And the next day, this man is on top of me trying to kill me. I prayed these words. I said, God, make me stop. And that right there, I believe is an example to me for life that we need to be very careful what we pray because the next day I found myself almost being murdered. Um, As he had his hands around my throat, And this is exactly, I remember everything like it was yesterday. I could literally just recite everything because I remember it so well. But I I just, I said, Jesus, please don't let me die. (laughs) Mm, And literally when I said that, this man let go of me. And what looked like the devil and what looked like somebody who had mentally checked out, 
was looking like somebody who had sense again. And, and I, I remember just the way he shifted from being demonically possessed and legit. I know that's what he was. The more that I've, you know, um, been able to encounter supernatural things. He looked at me and I said, are you going to kill me? And I was about to grab a lamp and like knock his behind out and kill him first, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, he said, I didn't do anything to you. And he just ran around the room. He got his laptop. He picked up his things and he took off out of that room. And I knew that God had saved me, but that, that was the time that was it for me. When that happened is when I really started to say, okay, God, you're real. Like <laughs> you are real. Cause there's no way that I should have made it out of that hotel room. Wow. Praise the Lord. Praise That's the powerful. Lord. That is so powerful, Mandy. I mean, yeah. I want to first just thank you so much for sharing that because I know how vulnerable and how personal that is. There literally yeah. was nobody else in that room except for you and that man. So right. you sharing that story is just a testament on just how passionate you are about how much you love God and <laughs> just how you are willing to share some personal things about your story, even though they might paint your past person, like who you were before in a bad light, right, you know, right. getting into situations that, that we probably sh- shouldn't put ourselves into, but absolutely. It's also letting us know how vulnerable we as humans can be and how our flesh can easily take over our common sense sometimes. And realizing that no matter what mistakes we've made, Jesus can still make a way out. I just think it's just such a testimony of how powerful his name is and how that just, once you spoke that name into the atmosphere, it changed everything. Absolutely. And it it really did. It was for somebody who, you know, I wasn't saved, obviously I knew nothing about God and just to see this person change, you know, after I spoke that name. And another part that's very interesting is that I was not able to speak because I had somebody's hands around my throat, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I believe the Lord just, he honored that I called on that name and that name does have so much power. And there is there is no other name whereby we're saved. And it, you know, it's so true that that was just my example of just how willing God is to help us when we are sincerely crying out to him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now that this happened to you, what did you end up doing next? What was your next step? Um, so around this part of my life, I was uh, maybe 23. I ended up not long after this encounter, um, I ended up in, in prison, actually. Again, you know, moments of clarity, such as, you know, the other ones that I've already shared would just hit me randomly at different times. And, you know, I actually heard the Lord speak to me about, you know, these test, these very testimonies I'm sharing with you right now. It was as if he told me that I needed to come out, that it was more, it was not about me. And I remember sitting in an abandoned house one time and just, you know, filth and junk all around me, homeless, you know, a young person, 20, maybe 22 years old. And just the Lord speaking and saying, you know, if you come out of this, if you will have, you know, the courage to get up and to believe you know, he would just speak, he would speak to me 
at different times and my eyes will become more more and more opened um after this really just crazy encounter and god showing up and saving my life um i really did have more of an openness to to look for god and i i had more of a hunger because of that encounter and so I later on was arrested and again, it was after a prayer was prayed. It's always after a prayer is prayed. That's something I want people to know so much that prayer, that there is nothing in the world, not even your own dysfunction and sin that can stand against prayer um, and that can stop him from, you know, taking heed to a, a desperate plea for help. He will hear and he will answer, you know, those that are sincere. Um, I later, I ended up in prison, um, after praying a prayer, I got arrested for something that was a pretty hefty charge. And it actually got me enough points to where they sentenced me to prison. And at that moment, it was as if I knew that I was going there for a purpose. So I sort of went there with expectancy, um, in my spirit. And I just knew that if something didn't change in my life drastically, that I was going to die, you know, as previous encounters showed me that I was on my way um, to death very soon in one way or the other. Um, so I did end up going to prison and I ended up receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost at an altar, at one of their altar, at one of their uh, services. And without there even being truth being preached, I just was so hungry and I was so desperate for change. Um, and I remember there was a lifer there actually. And these ladies were, they were prayer warriors. You could tell they prayed and they were walking around. One of them was laying her hands, excuse me, on, um, different ladies and, and something powerful was happening. And I thought, I want that to happen to me. I remembered hearing about the woman with the issue of blood and just how her desperation for healing is what pulled, you know, the power out of Jesus to heal her. And I remember the young lady who laid her hands on me. I just remember her saying, you will never be the same again. And I received the Holy Ghost right there and just was never the same again, literally never the same again. And um, that is, you know, also passing up several other details, but just to sort of get to the point of where you know, all of those other testimonies that I shared before led up to this moment. And sort of, it was just like God was preparing me for that moment. That's so incredible that you actually got the Holy Ghost in prison. Because, you know, I think that's something we need to hear more of, is just the powerful stories of where people have received the Holy Ghost. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in church. It's not bound by a building. I've heard people receiving the Holy Ghost in their homes. I've had a friend who received the Holy Ghost in her car when she Absolutely. was the full truth. And we have to understand is it is God's spirit. He is pouring it out on all flesh. We don't own Again. it. Apostolics do not own the Holy Ghost. Right, right, right. Jesus. I like how you put that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and not to bash us at all, but I feel like sometimes it makes us feel powerful that we have access to it and nobody else does. Right, right. When that's not true. And so we have to be careful because God is going Absolutely. to do something like pour the Holy Ghost out on a prisoner in an altar <laughs> with no Pentecostal there, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> 
It is. And that's and just to glorify him and just, honestly, it's like God was saying, I'm going to do a new thing no matter what, because that soul right yep. there wants me. So I <laughs> am going to place part of myself in her. That's so good. Yes. Yes. It's my goodness. Like, I, I think none of us can ever forget the day that we received the Holy Ghost. And um, it's so true that as apostolics, we, you know, need to be humble because we know a lot. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that that is the moment that I just fell so in love with God. And, you know, I later on ended up, there was a lady there. And this was also, this is an example um, that testimonies are, are much needed in this hour is that I didn't have any hope. You know, I did not think that I would, I thought, you know, I was doomed to just live off of men. And, you know, I didn't think I could be an independent woman. I thought that I was, you know, bound to just living off men and, you know, doing the awful work that I did then for the devil. And the devil had whispered this lie in my ear and, and he works in that way with many women today, um, making them feel as though they're, you know, weak in some way and they cannot provide for themselves. Like they need a man. Mm -hmm. I, be I believe I see a lot of this, especially with young ladies, um, who maybe didn't really receive as much affection growing up and maybe they were abused even worse. But yeah, I just, I saw this lady's testimony. She was addicted to crack cocaine as I was. And it's, you know, such a thing where when people are addicted to that, they never come out. You know, you never hear people getting better from that. They, you know, all kinds of horror stories. But her, no, she was standing at the front of this room, you know, a preacher, a woman preacher. And, you know, she just was so beautiful in every way. And I wanted, I wanted that, you know, and I was like, wow, if God did that for her, he's going to do that for me too. And I think that's what helped me to receive the Holy Ghost during my time there and just to believe God that he can do it for me as well. So talk about how you got connected to the apostolic church and how that unfolded for you in that time. So I was not baptized in Jesus name and us as apostolics, we know just how vital this is. We know that it's imperative and that there, you know, there is no, you just got wet, you know, if you didn't have it in Jesus name. Mm -hmm. And so I did not know this. And with the Holy Ghost, you know, pumped with fire and so much zeal, I could have blew 10 houses down, you know, with all that zeal. And I did end up at John Knighton's um, halfway house in which it was very interesting. The Lord started to give me dreams. And there was a young lady there who was very curious and interested in us apostolic ladies and the fact that we didn't cut our hair. And she, the Lord used her. Yeah. She was planning on staying where she was at and, you know, dressed the way she was not cutting her hair, wearing makeup, everything. But she was just like, um, what is that character in the Bible? And I'm forgetting, um, like Zacchaeus sort of sitting in the tree, like admiring what yeah. we as apostolics do. Yeah. And she sort of just, you know, she would drop little seeds and she'd say, oh yeah, there's these one ladies, they don't cut their hair. And I was like, really, where are those ladies? <laughs> and then there was also a woman who, while I was in the prison, she laid her hands on me and she told me there's an apostolic anointing here. And I was like, wow, what's that? You know, I had no idea what she was talking about. Little, the Lord kept, you know, using different people to speak to me the most, um, 
you know, unexpected people to speak. And eventually I did end up leaving that halfway house very bitter because um, I felt like I was very mishandled there in a way. I remember feeling so discouraged sitting in my son's father's home. Um, We were both, you know, heavy drug users. And with the Holy Ghost, I went back into the world and back into sin. I used drugs again with the Holy Ghost inside of me. I said, you know what? I'll never make it. How can I, how can I go back after the Lord, you know, touched my life in such a mighty way? And um, I ended up in jail, actually. And I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. Prayer, prayer is the answer to everything. Um, anything that we, you know, feel like maybe we're condemning ourselves, beating ourselves up. If we can't do it, he can. He will make a way for us to do it, you know, and give us the strength. But he did provide an opportunity. And the weirdest way, I was bit by a spider while I was in jail. Uh, it was a brown recluse. And so they did have to send me to the infirmary. In the infirmary, there was a young lady there by the name of Nicole Willoughby, um, who I love. I pray she can hear this. <laughs> um, anyways, I, was, I had the Holy Ghost and I was praying in tongues and she heard me. And I was so desperate. I was just praying, God, please give me an answer. I know that there's a church. I know that there's people. There has to be, you know, that has your truth. And I'm not going to make it without those people in my life, you know. And so I began to pray. And when she heard me praying like that, she said, you need to come to my church. And I said, oh, really? Why? I was just praying for a church, you know. And she said, because you're you're praying in the Holy Ghost. And they do that there. And I was like, oh, well, give me their number because I need them now, you know. But I later, you know, ended up going there. As soon as I walked through the doors, I felt God just, I can't even, I can't even forget. I remember who hugged me when I walked through the door. I remember prayer meetings that broke chains of perversion and all kinds of junk that had just built up in my life or strongholds, I could say, that got built up in my life. You know, I remember those altar calls. I remember... And just that was it. And and I was very stubborn at first. They had to pretty much kick me in the shins to get me back in the water because in prison, they baptize people all the time, but it's in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was baptized that way. And um, I had a lot of, you know, pride and stubbornness I, that had to be broken through, but I was baptized in Jesus name. And after that, I just lived for God with everything I had, and I never looked back. And I just, you know, started undergoing that process of just God, you know, cleansing you and um, just all the things that had to happen, like my obedience to leadership and various different factors, you know, played a role in me sort of getting better. You know, my pastor always says deliverance requires human you know, human cooperation, cooperation with us in order for that to take place in many ways. So Mandy, seriously, this is just blowing my mind of just how (laughs) God works. And when we think something is happening to us, that might be like the next level of, uh, you know, a tragedy or a trial, he's still working in the background. He's still doing something to, to align your life with Nicole's life at that exact moment. It's just so divine. And I am just so blown away by his goodness. And I, I'm just so thankful that you have this willingness to share your story and, and the passion of what God has done 
because I know, I know that this is going to help somebody out there right now. And what would you say to the girl right now who is sitting in the pew and maybe has been playing church for years and she is struggling with the temptations of, let's say, the opposite sex. She's struggling with the temptations of music. She's struggling on that line and looking at the world and maybe visualizing herself in the world doing what they're doing and thinking it's a life of freedom. What would you say to her right now? I would say that it's all a delusion. It's an illusion. And the devil is is so very seductive. And his ways are so subtle. And um, the Bible tells us not to be ignorant of his devices. And I would say, my gosh, if you can have the wisdom to just listen to another person, you may not make it back out. <laughs> you know, um, I tell girls right now that I see out on the streets and a preacher once, once said this and it stuck with me forever because I talk to ladies out on the streets, um, all the time. I feel like it's, you know, um, I feel like I owe God and, and these ladies that I would at least share my testimony with them and speak to them. Um, I've often said to them, you know, you don't have to go back out and eat any more dirt, like to know that it tastes bad, you know, you know, where that leads you to that bottom place of just, you know, despair and, and searching for your purpose. I would say definitely that the devil is such a liar and he's so sneaky and he's so able to just paint this picture of something that's not even real at all. And that if they could just listen to somebody who knows and that, you know, that it it's almost killed some of us. And I could definitely say it is not worth losing your life and knowing that you might not even make it back to that church view. Yeah. And that's such a powerful point. Thank you for bringing that up because I think we have to understand that when you make choices, you're going to reap that choice. Absolutely. And if you decide that you want to try it out for a little bit and if it doesn't work for you, you can always come back. That is true. You can come back. But you never know how far your choices are going to bring you. Wow. And yeah. This is something that I honestly, I mean, if we're going to be, you know, sharing our hearts here, this is something that I've struggled with as well. I mean, even yeah. being in the church, as long as I have, it was just a couple of years ago that I remember having to give up a specific television show, which sounds so silly, but there was a spirit behind this television show that I felt. I honestly felt just negative spirits all over the show. Yeah. And I remember thinking, God, did I come all of this way just to let one small thing take me out? <laughs> just wow. one small yeah. thing, just one small thing. Am I going to give up the life that you've given me all because of the illusion or the, the visualizations of this television show? And it was bringing up all of my old feelings again of my past life. And I remember getting to the place where the Lord kind of placed it in my heart because I know that I am called to some sort of ministry. And I right. remember I felt the Lord tell me in my spirit, Pentecostal apostolic women ministers don't watch this show. Oh, that's that good. I love when he draws that line. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the personal thing that he said for me. I'm not saying he's going to say that to other people. So this is, right. just, you know, he makes it personal. This is what we have to understand is 
this is not a game. This is life or death, uh, spiritually wise. So you know it physically, but you also have been there spiritually. And what we don't understand is as much as it may be mundane and as much as it may not be exciting sometimes, that's on us. That's on us because we have to be the ones to approach God in a way that he can work through us. And so if we feel like, oh man, this is all that there is, well, then I think it's time for us to go deeper with him, not Absolutely. far away from him. Oh, you're preaching to me right now. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, oh. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And it is, it's like moments where God, he's just so, and Jesus always was a straight shooter. And yes. he told the religious leaders of their time, you know, mm-hmm. he told them what was up and he did not sugarcoat it. He said, you know, this is what it is. I love how he told Nicodemus in John three, mm-hmm. uh, when he was, you know, admiring the works that Jesus had done. He said, well, forget about all those works. If you're not born of the water and the spirit, you can't even see my kingdom or enter it. Yeah. So I, just, I look at, you know, the, you know, the straightforwardness of how he spoke to people. And I think moments hit us and, and I'm in actually a season just like that. Um, so you're definitely speaking, ministering to me with what you just said. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's, what's the amazing thing about God is when he brings us to our own place of recognizing that we are not God and that he is. And then when he brings us through something, when we share it and it ministers to other people, that's only God. That is only God, because there's no way that I would have known that you were going through something. There's no way that I would have known that. That's why we shouldn't attack our pastors or the preachers, because they have no idea the details of our life. um, Unless we voluntarily give that information up, you know? That's so good. Yes. Well, Mandy, I'm just, I'm so blown away by you. And I cannot believe that just... I honestly can't believe your story, but at the same time, I can believe it because God is just so good. How long have you been in church? I would say about six years. So I came in, I was baptized in Jesus name in 2014. I I wanted to put that out there to encourage people and let them know that God is still doing stuff in this generation. He's still working in this you know this new decade six years six months six days uh he's doing stuff and you know i just hope that this will encourage those listening to never give up and just keep pursuing and just no matter what is happening and and no matter how hard life gets just don't give up because jesus has just so much more in store for you that you, you wouldn't even, you couldn't even imagine, you know, like you wouldn't even have imagined this life. You imagine, you imagine this glorious life of, of drugs and, you know, um, being powerful, you know, and and all of this stuff, but, but God's like, I'm going to show you real power. (laughs) Exactly. That's so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just can reminisce about things like that just because, you know, we don't share these stories. Like I don't share my testimony. And I know you don't share your testimony to glorify that life. Right. Absolutely. And 
I think that's why some people have a hard time listening to these things because it's easy for us to say, well, I don't want to know all the little like details because I don't, I don't want to be, you know, influenced by that. But at the same time, we have to understand that um, life is messy and life is hard and God has brought us out of some really disgusting places. And right. if we don't talk about how he's brought us out of disgusting places, then when other people are in a disgusting place, how are they going to know that he's going to be there? Absolutely. Yes. This is huge. This is, and I'm not saying the church is not sensitive to people or that the church is not love. Sure. Everybody. I don't want to come off that way, sure. but it is, it's very true. Sister JC that in this hour that we're in, mm-hmm. um, you know, I once was feeling very discouraged and like, I was never going to be anything in God. And my first lady, Barbara Williams, she is the most incredible lady of God, uh, hands down that I've ever known. And she's been my mother. I call her mom. <laughs> She looked at me and she said, Sister Mandy, you're a tool in God's hand for end time revival. And the reason for this is that there are more things happening in our generation than has ever happened before. These people that are coming in so broken, they have to feel like, okay, where they're at is not such a bad and such a dark, dirty place that they can't come out or that we cannot love them while they're there. And they do. They have to be made to feel like this is a safe place for you to be broken and be a mess. Mm-hmm. and and receive love and receive fellowship from your fellow brothers and sisters and be delivered forever and changed forever. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do think our churches are doing the best that they can. I really do. Absolutely. I don't, they are. Know, definitely not making this about the organization or our churches. I think right. every every church is doing what they think is best. And I know there, we all know that there are bad apples out there, just like there are bad apples anywhere. Um, At Walmart, they're at Walmart, but we go there, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Stop going to Walmart, you know. (laughs) I just, I threw that out there because, you know, Mm -hmm. there's that spirit that'll try to drive you away from the house of God. Yeah, exactly. And as much as when we see faults in people who are called Christians, let's just remind ourselves that that's our flesh. That's the human nature of us that um, that's why we need Jesus more than ever. And I do believe that he is raising up voices for such a time as this. And I do believe that he is just placing people um, Um. basically in each other's paths. And I don't think it's a coincidence, obviously, that you and I connected. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this uh, podcast uh, season is happening with testimonies. And I mean, I actually didn't plan for it to happen. It just literally happened. The the more wow. guests that I talked to and lined up, they each had their own testimony of what God did. And I knew I had to create a season wrapped around it and just highlighting it and just honestly giving it its own platform because where we are right now is we're literally the church has been on zoom more than ever before. The church has been on Facebook yeah. more than ever before we have been seeing live streams on Instagram. And so this is where we're headed right now. And as much as we want to um, stay in our own little bubbles, God is saying, okay, these, this is the tool that you have. So go with it. 
So this is the platform you have. So go reach whoever you can reach. And so I just hope I can encourage somebody, you know, today, especially with, you know, uh, Mandy's story here that um, if God has done something good in your life, if he has given you a testimony, pray about how you can share it. Definitely go to prayer with Absolutely. it first. Um, and then realize that whatever platform he has given you right now, that is the tool that you can use. You don't have to wait for a license or a pulpit. Um, this is something I've talked to my pastor about many times because I felt, you know, um, I feel called to, to minister in that way. And he's reassured me time and time again, um, you know, JC, you don't, you don't need a license to preach. You can preach wherever you are. And um, Amen. it's more of just sharing your heart and sharing your stories. And the more you do that, you can do it a thousand times and it might seem effortless, but if it reaches one person, then it was worth it. Amen. I totally agree with you, sis. Um, wow. We are called to be, you know, the Bible calls us priests, right? Um, we've been referred to as a royal priesthood. And um, we are pretty much what stands in between, you know, God and every soul that does not know God, yeah. or that he can deliver and that he is the answer to everything that they need. So I really am glad that pastor, you know, encouraged you in that way, because I truly believe that, you know, we need preachers out here in the streets fully as much, <laughs> sure. but um, we can preach anywhere and we ought to. I really firmly believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the more that I read the news and the more that I see this world and the more that I see my children and, you know, as a mom too, yes. I feel that those of us who are hungry for the next level with God, we are all feeling that same burden together. We are unified. Absolutely. The same spirit that fills you, that filled you filled, filled me too. It's the same Holy Spirit. We're all united by his spirit, by by, you know, one God. And I think he is calling us into deeper relationship with him. And I really do uh, want to go back to what you said before about prayer. I really believe that he's calling us to go deeper into prayer um, more than ever yeah. before, especially now in 2020 with everything that has happened. We know now that anything that we see around us that we think is our comfort zone can be ripped away. And, um, the only thing we have left, the only hope we have left is Jesus. And so we have to take the time now to seek him when we can. And so I do encourage those listening that if you feel that heaviness, if you feel that burden, if you, if you feel that, um, that drawing, uh, don't resist him. Don't be scared of the next level with God because it's, it's, it's going to take you somewhere that's going to bring the promises into your life. And, and you're going to reach someone that nobody else can reach that I can't reach that Mandy can't reach. And Absolutely. so uh, Absolutely. wherever you are, just lean into God. And, and I'm just so thankful Mandy for you and for your heart. And I just, Oh, I'm thankful uh, for you, sis. I mean, honestly, I love you so much and we haven't even met. Oh, I love you girl. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The feelings mutual. Um, the Lord had a way of just, you know, using you because I do have just passion to make a difference in the world. And I haven't really fully figured out by what means I will do that. But I do know that I am aspiring, as I said before, to write. And so mm -hmm. your testimony, okay, this is what I'm looking at, is just the testimony of how God is using you. And it encourages me to 
go ahead and take that plunge and try, you know, to, to write this book and just see if it can get into the hands of some young people. Mm-hmm. They read it and maybe they're, like you said before, I loved how you brought that up about, you know, just battling in the mind, you know, with thoughts and temptations that maybe that can be the thing that can turn them back to a better path, you know, towards God. I'm just so grateful for this platform and, you know, uh, the Lord saw fit for me to be a good steward of it. So I'm just doing the best that I can with what he's given me. And so I appreciate your willingness to come on and to share your story, just how powerful the hand of God was on your life. And um, thank you again for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, I look forward to um, just sharing more, you know, and, and gleaning more from you and just, you know, the ways in which God is using you. It is, it's very inspiring. And I know it all glory goes to him for sure. Thank you. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories? Tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries. It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to HelloAwesomeMinistries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.